and it's lights out for another episode of the Breaking the Chain podcast, where we will discuss everything from the Monaco Grand Prix. I'd like to begin by dedicating this episode to Nicky Lauda. Nicky has been involved in the racing world for 29 years. His first drive was for March in 1972 and in 1974 he joined Ferrari. In 76, after winning just one world championship, his first proper rival and friend James Hunt arrived driving from McLaren. Obviously, every F1 fan knows about Nicky's fiery accident at the Nürburgring in 76. He missed only two races and was back in the car for the Italian Grand Prix in which he finished fourth, only six weeks after his accident. In recent years, Nicky has become a mentor for a lot of drivers up and down the field. Here's what Sebastian Vettel thought of Nicky. You know, having had the opportunity to, to know him, um, to talk to him, to, to ask him all sorts of things, how the cars were, how the time was with Ferrari, how was Enzo Ferrari... Um, all these things, obviously, uh, he knows extremely well, and um, yeah, was uh, shocked. I think, as as everybody, to to hear uh, at the beginning of the week the the sad news. Um, so, I think it's a big loss for Formula One, for Formula One community, for the sport. It's an icon that uh, um, we lost, and uh, will it be impossible to to replace. This has been a terrible year of losses off the track so far with the passing of such great influences and characters of the F1 world. Charlie Whiting, who was F1 race director in March, just before the race in Melbourne. And now Nicky, who was the non-executive chairman at Mercedes last week. Will we ever see a driver of his calibre or his courage again? I'm not sure. F1 is now a very different sport than it was in the era of Nicky Lauda and James Hunt or even Ayrton Senna. Although more risk-averse, and that's a good thing for driver safety. I think this change has also coloured teams' attitudes, and probably these days, Nicky might never have raced again after a similar accident. Perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps the return to F1 of Robert Kubica and the recent first win by double amputee Billy the Wizmonger outside of F1 shows that there is still room for heroes in motorsport. I'd be interested in your views. So, before we dive into talking about the Monaco Grand Prix, there have been a couple of stories that have caught my eye over the past couple of weeks. First of all, after winning the Spanish Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton dedicated his win to Harry, a young boy who is terminally ill with cancer, who sent him and the team a message wishing them good luck for the race. After the race, the team sent Lewis's trophy and car to Harry's house. I think this was a nice touch by Mercedes. They probably get thousands of messages wishing them good luck for a race. And doing this shows how much this message meant to them and how much they value their fans. Many people argue about the status of F1 as a sport and the ethics of spending so much money on the form of entertainment that burns fossil fuels for fun. Whilst that's a podcast for a different day, Perhaps here is a story that clearly shows the joy F1 can bring to people's lives and make us all feel better about things, if even for a few minutes.
And exciting news, a new track is coming in 2020 in the form of the Dutch Grand Prix back at Zandvoort, which was last raced in 85. So it will be interesting to see how the cars handle the circuit. It's exciting, as the last new circuit we had added to the calendar was the Azerbaijan Grand Prix back in 2016 held in Baku. Both of these circuits have their challenges, and whilst there's not much they can do about the narrow streets of Baku for Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel, I'm wondering if they can keep the sand from the dunes off the track at Zandvoort. Always great to get feedback and connect to my listeners, so thank you to all who have got in touch. I'm going to talk about Lance Stroll now after some great input from Max underscore Newman 26. If you've followed Formula 1 for a while, you would know that Force India went into administration last year before the Belgian Grand Prix. The team was then bought by a group of investors led by Lawrence Stroll, who was Lance's father. The team was turned into what we know today as Racing Point. Now at this time Lance was already in F1 driving for Williams, so when talks of him switching to Racing Point started, I felt that it was a done deal. Not only because his dad owned the team, but because he had proved himself at Williams in his two seasons with them. After it was announced that he would drive for Racing Point in 2019, it was then team's choice of who out of Force India's lineup were they going to retain. They chose to keep Sergio Perez to partner Lance Stroll. The partnership seems to be working well, although we are only six races into the season and as you know, a lot can happen between now and the end of the year. What do I think of Lance Stroll? Well, Formula One has a history of drivers buying in or teams even signing them at a young age like McLaren did with Lewis Hamilton. Remember, even Nicky Lauda bought Slash Finance his first seat in F1, so that doesn't necessarily mean that you're only there for the money and sponsorship that you bring. Although, interestingly, this was also an accusation levelled at Perez during his time at McLaren, so Rating Point seems to have form. Prior to reaching F1, Lance Stroll won the New Zealand-based Toyota Racing Series in 2015, with 10 podiums including 4 wins from 16 race starts. In the same year he contested in the Euro F3 series for the Italian Prima team owned by his father. He won 1 race outright also achieving 17 top 6 finishes in the 33 race season. Lance was also part of the Ferrari Driver Academy making him the second youngest driver to be signed by an F1 team. In November 2015 he left the Ferrari Driver Academy to become test driver for Williams. He completed in the Euro F3 series again in 2016 where he won 11 races that season and took the title in the second race at Imola where he was over 100 points clear of his main rival. It was announced in November 2016 that Lance would drive for Williams in the 2017 season. During that year, Lance scored one podium in Baku and finished the season with 40 points, making him 12th in the Drivers' Championship. In 2018, however, he did worse, finishing 18th with 6 points in the Drivers' Championship. I feel that the fact that Stroll went straight from F3 to F1 is a bit weird, considering that most drivers compete in F2 first, but I think Williams saw the potential in him. Let's hope that he shows us all what he can do over the next couple of years. Hope you enjoyed that Max underscore Newman 26. It would be great to get your opinion on Lance as well. 
Now I'm going to turn my attention to Toro Rosso after a message from another listener, Maximilian. Toro Rosso are currently sitting ninth in the team's championship. Their drivers, Daniel Kvyat and Alex Albon, are currently 12th and 14th, respectively. In previous years, Toro Rosso have finished 9th in 2018 with 33 points. In terms of their drivers, Pierre Gasly finished 15th with 29 points, and his teammate Brendan Hartley finished 19th with 4 points. This was kind of down to Red Bull, who used Toro Rosso as a test bed, if you like, for Honda because their relationship with Renault was falling apart. I feel this really harmed Toro Rosso's season, but it was good for Red Bull, who decided to go with Honda power units for 2019. Also, Red Bull used Toro Rosso as a safe nest for their young drivers, who have to show they have what it takes to graduate to Red Bull. Spoiler alert, in the Monaco Grand Prix, both drivers finished within the top 10, with Kvyat scoring 6 points and Albon scoring 4. So it was a good weekend for Toro Rosso. As for where they will finish come the season finale in Abu Dhabi, it's still way too early to tell. But if they keep going the way they are, we could see them challenge for best of the rest. Now onto the race weekend itself. McLaren had a miserable FP1 on the Thursday with Carlos Sainz only doing one install lap and then having to sit out the session because of a battery issue. Another team that had a hard FP1 was Haas. Both of their cars were black flagged and had to return to the pit lane as the team had no way of communicating with the drivers due to radio and telemetry issues. Now for the biggest qualifying story of the weekend. Ferrari decided not to send Charles Leclerc back out and he ended up being knocked out in Q1. As we all know, Monaco is the most difficult circuit on the calendar to overtake so you need every bit of track time that you have available to you to get the best starting position. Ferrari thought that Charles had done enough to get through to Q2 but his teammate Sebastian Vettel set a lap which made sure he got through to Q2 but in turn he pushed his teammate down into the bottom five. Obviously we know this was the wrong call by Ferrari. You always want to make sure that you are safe even if you think that you've done enough it's always worth giving it another shot. Extremely disappointed. Obviously, it's disappointing to be out of Q1 in a Ferrari, but even more when you're at home and even more on a track like this where you can't overtake, we can't afford to do these things. And yeah, it's just yeah a big, a big, big disappointment. And uh, I, I will speak with the team for them to explain me the decisions behind this. I, I don't know. I asked a question, but I didn't have... Any return, I think it was quite busy for them. I don't know. I, I don't have any explanations yet, but very disappointing. You've put a brave face on it all season in the questions that we've asked you about the strategic decisions or indecisions of your team. How much does this need to be addressed now? Because this isn't the first time this year. It's a, a regular occurrence now. Well, I think it's a different subject of and a different strategy. I mean, this is qualifying. Uh, today, we clearly got it wrong, but... Yeah, we need to understand how uh, yeah, to, to make these decisions better. The race start at Monaco is always chaos. That's one thing that is for certain. The great thing about this is that you can always count on some first lap action. And I have to say, I was a bit disappointed by the start. It was fairly clean and you had a couple of cars take the inside of turn one, but that was really all that happened. Starting 15th on the grid after his qualification issues, 
The race did not go in Leclerc's favour, which is disappointing. He overtook Grosjean into the Rascas, then tried the same move on Hülkenberg, but ended up hitting the barrier, sending him into a half spin. From that incident, he ended up having to pit from a puncture, and from that he had massive floor damage to both rear sides of his car. He was then trundling around at the back and getting lapped. He ended up retiring from his home race. There was also a bit of a car park at the Rascast due to Antonio Giovinazzi hitting Robert Kubica and sending him into a half spin, blocking the track. In my mind, this was a crazy thing to have done, especially as the streets are so tight and you cannot overtake. It not only ruined his and Kibitz's race, but also the cars that were stuck behind the mess. Another thing that reared its ugly head to me was inconsistent penalties. Max Verstappen was released out of his pit box into the path of Rattery Bottas. Max got a five second time penalty for it. Whereas the incident that I mentioned before with Antonio Giovinazzi gave him a 10 second time penalty. Also, in the dying laps of the Grand Prix, Max Verstappen tried to make a move on Lewis Hamilton going into the Nouvelle Chicane and tapped Lewis on his left rear tire this forced him to go straight on at the chicane and the stewards chose not to investigate it. Now, in my opinion, an unsafe release is more dangerous than causing a collision. In the Monaco pit lane, they have markers across from the pit boxes so the front jackman can see if there is a car. But of course, all the teams have an automated stop system, so this can make things quite difficult. But still, it was an unsafe release, and Verstappen and Bottas ended up going down the pit lane side by side. As you can imagine, Max has his own versions and views on these, and I do appreciate that the unsafe release was not his fault, but rather that of his team. But his lack of responsibility and heated emotion worries me. It was something I thought would calm down with the more experience he gets in F1, but this doesn't seem to be happening. Yeah, I think um, it was, uh, in general, a very good race. We were very competitive. Um, and, of course, with the stop, that was our only way to try and get second, at least second. Um, of course, then we're side by side, but I didn't know uh, Valtteri was, was next to me until we touched. And, um, yeah, of course, he picked up a puncture. It's unfortunate to get a penalty, but, you know, whatever the decision um, I think I had a very good race and I, I enjoyed it. I, I tried to put pressure on Lewis, so at one point he went through his tyres and I was always trying to get a good exit, but yeah, it was always just not enough. Um, I tried once, we had a little touch. I, it's very difficult anyway under braking to look into your mirrors, which you, you anyway can't see a lot out. Um, but luckily we could just continue without any damage. Apart from these highlights slash incidents, the Monaco Grand Prix went as we expected. Whilst always a great venue, the lack of opportunity to overtake makes it highly likely that the driver on pole will win the race. And that is exactly what happened with Lewis Hamilton winning. Although he fought hard all the way through and the race certainly challenged him with the team keeping him out on his tyres and didn't let him pit. I wonder if this was because back in 2015, the team let him pit, which ended up losing the race for him. Well, it wasn't exciting for me, <laughs> but yeah, it definitely was a very, very tough race and one of the hardest races, I think, probably the hardest race I've ever had. Um, I don't really know how I managed to put it off, but I'm grateful that I was able to, but you know, I was very much on my own out there for such a long period of time, 66 laps, whatever it was, was a long, long time. And I was hoping for a safety car or something to come out so maybe we can get some new tires or something, but that didn't come. 
So it was a real sheer, just sheer will and um, determination, and most importantly, like focus. When you have pressure like that, it's so easy to lock up, get distracted, come off. Uh, and so I would say it's one of probably one of my proudest uh, performances in terms of not making mistakes and um, and keeping my ish together, you know, uh, in the moments of like anger. But you know, this is a day for Nikki. With Sebastian Vettel finishing second, and it was the first time he's been in the top two this year. So, a great drive from him and much needed points. Sebastian, I know it wasn't victory, but second best result of the season. Can you, as I've only got one question, can you summarise how the day went? Uh, a bit mixed, obviously. Uh, we were able to uh, benefit on mistakes other people did, which, uh, you know, is a great, great thing. But we also know that the pace, you know, maybe wasn't quite P2 today. So, uh, we, uh, in the end, you know, Monaco is a particular race. Um, but we know that there's still a lot of work ahead of us uh, in terms of pace. Mercedes is the benchmark. I think today they probably went on the wrong tyre with Lewis, but he managed uh, the race well and deserved to win. Valtteri Bottas finished in third after a very chaotic but quite boring race in Monaco. It was definitely a tough race. Uh, we stopped for the first uh, stop, same time with Lewis. Um, I was quite close behind, so my stop was, was slower. Uh, had the incident then on the pit lane with Max, got a puncture at the stop again, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Looking at how, kind of how the car felt today, if those things hadn't gone wrong, what do you think would have been possible? I think today, honest, uh, I think second place without any major things just behind Lewis, but it's frustrating because speed has been really good this weekend for me and I've been feeling good in the car and it was about small things yesterday and that could have made today different, but that's passed and I need to look forward. Now, whilst I appreciate that mistakes happen, we were all lucky that this weekend we didn't see a terrible incident with Sergio Perez narrowly missing two marshals as he left the pit lane. It was really lucky he was so observant and braked. Imagery shows just how close the marshal came being hit with barely any space between the edge of the car and the marshal. Safety has to be a priority for everyone involved and I hope that this will be investigated and protocols put into place to ensure that it will never happen again. Also, I think this would have really affected Sergio and possibly had a negative effect on his performance. The next race is Canada and judging from previous years it has usually been a Ferrari and Mercedes battle due to it essentially being a power circuit. We could see Red Bull struggle with the power deficit that the Honda engine has. It will be an interesting race and I for one am looking forward to more teams getting in on the action. Thanks once again to all my listeners and if you have any comments or requests like Max underscore Newman 26 or Maximilian, feel free to message me. We've reached a check flag so I'll catch you all next time for the Canadian Grand Prix in two weeks.